Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Happy New Year to you. If you're um, new, you're visiting, um, welcome especially. My, my name is Matthew. I'm the pastor here at Trinity on the east side, and it's a gift to get to spend the morning with you and um, to talk about what we're going to talk about today, what we're going to do. So if you're like checking us out, this is a really good time to check us out because what we're going to do now that we're starting a new year with one another is we're going to look as a church at what this year has for us, what we sense God is inviting us into as a church, what that would mean for you if you were a part of this uh, community, of this church family. And I'm very excited to get to, to talk about these things today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read our, our gospel reading from the book of John, and then we're going to pray, and then we will jump in. This is from John chapter 1, beginning in verse 10. He, that, that's Jesus, was in the world... And the world came into being through him, and yet the world um, did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, And we have seen the glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. John, that is the Baptist, testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that as we begin this year with this word, we remember that Jesus came to let us know what you are like. If we ever wonder, Lord, what you are like, We only need to look at your son. So God, help us today and this year to be a people who look intently and gaze on Jesus. We pray, Father, that we would, in this time together this morning, that we would feel moved by you into what you have for us. And Lord, we ask for the grace to just be open and we invite you, Spirit, to be the one ministering in this place. Pray you would speak through words spoken and feed us with the food that you will give us. We ask God, we're just really asking for you to, to do what only you can, which is to open us up and move us into your good purposes and into your kingdom. So we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So um, we are very full in here. Um, it's wonderful to have you all here with us today. And um, what we're going to be doing, as I said, is, is talking through 2020. What has God laid on our hearts as leaders and pastors in this church? What is it uh, going to mean to be on the east side in this next year? Um, if you've been around for a while, <clears throat> you've gone through a lot of change with us. We've experienced a lot of change in the last 18, 19, 20 months as a church, 
And in some ways, like, there's going to continue to be, there's going to be a continued change that, that we're going to talk about, like, stuff that we're going to be trying and, and, and moving into in this, in this coming year. Um, and yet what's been going on behind the scenes in 2019 has, I think, been really good. It's, been, it's mostly been invisible. Probably mo- most of you aren't even aware of it. But there's been sort of like a settling uh, behind the scenes of God giving some clarity and some vision to me and other leaders and pastors in the church as we just sense that God is like on the cusp of something. He's doing something. And, and we're really excited about that because here we find ourselves today. It's the first Sunday of the year. And people always do this stuff the first Sunday of the year. It's not just the year. The first Sunday of a decade. I mean, how perfect is that? And there's just this expectation, this, this sense that we are today as a church jumping into something. Um, and so there's been a lot of eagerness and a lot of dreaming and a lot of praying that's gone into what we're going to share today, what I'm going to share with you today. Before we jump into specifics, though, I want to just lay a, a ground, like a, a foundation of what we're all about here, because I think it's going to make sense of what I talk about afterwards. So we just read from John's Gospel that Jesus came, and one of the reasons he came, according to John, is he came to, to let us know what God was like. He says it at the end. He's like, no one's ever seen God, but... But God the Son, who is close to the Father's heart, he has made him known to us. So in Jesus, we know what God is like. And so the reason Jesus appeared was so that you and I could have a sense of what is ultimate reality. What is at the center of all things? What is the source of all that is living? What is the source of all that exists? What is the king of all that exists? What is that like? And if you want to know what that likes, uh, Jesus is here to show you what, what, what is holding it all together. Or as Paul would say later in, in his letters to the church, he says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, which is a way of saying Jesus is the picture of the thing that no one's ever been able to take a picture of before. So if you're wondering like what it would be like to take a picture of God, Jesus is the picture. He is the image. Or Jesus himself said it this way. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if you want to know what God is like, if you want to know what's at the middle of everything, if you want to know what's holding it all together, if you want to know the purpose for existence, if you've seen me, you've seen it. You've seen what the purpose for existence is, which is pretty cool. Now, we at Trinity, our mission is to be, we always, we say this, I mean, you probably have heard of this, our mission is to be a people who are growing into Christ's likeness. And so what that would mean, if we think about what John 1 tells us, is that we are a people as we, are, as we become more like the image of Jesus, we are actually becoming more like what God is like. So our purpose as a church is to be a people who increasingly reflect to the world what God is like. What is the answer to the question that everyone's searching for and asking? What is the thing that's holding all things together? What is, what is God like? And that's what you and I, that's what our calling is as Christians. It's what it means to be a part of the image of God, which is how the Bible starts out and begins to tell our story. That's why you and I exist. Now, the first thing I want to say, though, today is that the way that we reveal God primarily is going to be through community. It's not individually. The primary way that you and I reveal what God is like in the world is through community. And that's, that makes a lot of sense because God is, first and foremost, a community. God is not an old white man sitting on a throne controlling everything. But the Bible describes God like this. As a trinity, this is Rublev's icon of of the trinity, very famous picture. Um, It's a community of persons that all share in glory, they all share in majesty, they all share in in, in adoration of one another, uh, in uh, submission to one another. It's this incredible community of love that is at the center of all things, which makes a lot of sense if you think about where do things come from, like love uh, and, the, and then the other side of love, grief, loss, where would those things come from? They come out of a God who is himself three persons living in unity in community with one another. 
And so for you and me to reflect or to reveal what God is like, that's going to happen most naturally, most effectively um, in how you and I relate to one another because that's what God is like. God is like a relationship. And so you and I alone, individually, can reveal something to the world of what God is like. And we do. You do. I do. We have something distinct and unique about you. But the loudest and most persuasive and most powerful declaration of what God is like is actually found in our love, which is why Jesus um, said it matters so much. On the night of his betrayal, when he's about to be arrested and, and then tried and crucified, he says that, he goes, I have a new command for you. The command is I want you to love one another. And by this, by this love, people will know you're my disciples. People will not know you're my disciples by your dogma, by your doctrine, by your political positions, by your well-thought-out arguments and philosophies. People will know you are my disciples, Jesus says, by the way that you relate to one another. And then later on that same night, chapter 17 of John, he's praying for us, and he says, Lord, I pray that you, Father, I pray that you would let them be one, even as you are in me and I am in you. So it's pretty big. He's like, I want you, you, us, to be one in the same way that the Father and the Son are one. Why? He says, so that the world might know that you sent me, that you are a God who sends his Son into the world to save it. In other words, Jesus seems to stake his whole reputation, his whole message on this idea that your community, our community with one another is going to be the thing that lets everyone know what God is like. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And it's also, I think, honestly, if you've been in the church for a while, it's not usually the way it goes, right? It's not usually what the message that's communicated to people. It's something else entirely. It's actually like a very broken group and tends to make, you know, whatever. Small factions and divisions spring up very easily. Dr. Christine Pohl, who uh, wrote a book I'm reading currently called Living into Community, um, says, the best testimony to the truth of the gospel is the quality of our life together. Jesus risked his reputation and the credibility of his story by tying them to how his followers would live and care for one another in community. And then there's that text from John 17. The character of our shared life as congregations, as communities, and as families has the power to draw people into the kingdom or to push them away. And we've all seen that. And how we live together is the most persuasive sermon we will ever get. To preach. So we are here as a church. Trinity exists to be a people, and I don't think just Trinity, but the church exists to be a people who are growing in Christ-likeness, which means that there is a corporate nature to the which you and I reflect what God is like. And just to remind you, the reason we do this is because God, if he is who the Bible says he is, then he is actually the thing that everyone is looking for because everyone's made for God. He is the answer. He is the center. He is the, the point that which all of us are meant to, 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 to point. And the, and the reason why so many of us in this room, but outside of this room as well, are so miserable is because we know we're made for something and we keep trying to find it in cheap substitutions, which is just what the Bible calls idolatry. And so we, we give ourselves to raising kids and, and, or working a good job or, or getting another degree or whatever it is. And that none of these things ever seem to really deliver on this expectation or promise that they hold out for us. They never really, I mean, they're good, they're really good, but they're never really like close, they're just, they're, they're not there. They fall short again and again. And that's because there is a person that you are made for, that you, you are literally hardwired and created for. That table of three persons, you were created to be a part of that. That's why you exist. 
And everything short of that and everything outside of that will ultimately be in some way deficient or insufficient to what we're looking for. And so when we are a people who reflect what God is like, what we are doing is we are a people who by nature are invitational and are welcoming people into that dance that's at the center of all things. And that's a pretty cool reason to exist. Now, what are we going to do to live into that this year? Um, I have three things I'm going to talk about today. And um, I'm not going to be able to say everything in the next 15 minutes or so that will explain these deeply. And, and that's good because we have a whole year to talk about them. But I just want to give you a sense of like, as, as we've been praying, um, as I've been praying and listening to what God is doing, these are the things that I feel like God has laid on my heart that feel like this is what he's up to in, in our lives and in our space. This is what he's inviting us into as a people. And so I just have three, three things to give you. The first is this. Uh, we want to be a people who are inviting the Holy Spirit, to animate us and to grow us. We want to be a people who increasingly are inviting the Holy Spirit to animate and to grow us. Now, here's what I mean by that. Um, uh, so a year, a year and some change ago, about 15, 16 months, um, on the west side, and if you don't know this, just a little, here's, a, here's, Trinity is a part of a family of churches that started 16, 17 years ago in West Atlanta. And then five years ago, this church was planted, five years ago. And so um, we come uh, from a place, but we also are deeply tied into that place relationally. And the lead pastor of that church, Chris McDaniel, is my pastor. And he's my boss. And he's my mentor. Uh, it's a lot of relationships. And uh, so we have very close ties with these people. They, they in many ways, are, they go before us. They are leaders. And they, uh, what's happening on the west side often ends up really affecting and influencing what's happening here on the east side. And about 15, 16 months ago, Chris and Marty, their worship pastor, and a number of other people over there just began to sense God waking up in them this um, desire, this appetite to return to some of their charismatic rootedness, which that word may not mean very much to you, or it might mean a whole lot to some of you, and it might be a good word to you, it might be a bad word to you, but the, the charismatic church is, is a part of our, our origin story at Trinity. We are, we are, it's one of the three streams that we live in, um, and we come out of the Vineyard Church, and yet it's not my story. In fact, um, experiencing the Holy Spirit in worship and, and uh, having signs and wonders, these, these things aren't part of my origin story. In fact, I grew up pretty suspicious of all these things, and and, and afraid of them, frankly, you know. And so I um, began to watch Chris and others sense God saying, like, it's time for you to, like, reopen some things that you've sealed off. It's time for you to begin to ask God to move in fresh ways that you haven't in a long time. And they began to make small changes on the West Side. And I'm just going to be super honest with you. I watched these things happen, and me, um, as a, I, I, I just sort of like stood there like this, like pretty re- resistant to the whole thing. I didn't like what was going on. And the reason I didn't like what was going on is because I really love Trinity. And when you really love something, you don't want it to change. Like you want something to like be like what it was. And like there's a reason. I would imagine there's a reason why most of you are here. There was a reason why I was at Trinity. And I started to be afraid. And the thing that was really controlling me was fear in that moment. I was afraid that what was going to happen is that it was going to become unrecognizable from what it had been before. And so I just sort of like with a lot of reluctance just sort of stood on the sidelines and like watched this happen and was like, I don't know. I'm not sure about this Holy Spirit. And it wasn't just me, to be clear. And I'm not trying to throw others under the bus, but it was other pastors on the east side as well. We were all just sort of like, you know, kind of on the silence going, like, I'm not so sure about this. And then right around Christmas, so right around a year ago, right around a year ago, um, independent of one another, we all just began to sense God just say, like, 
would you just uncross your arms? And would you put your hands out? Which is just a way of saying like, God, I don't know what you're doing and I'm uncomfortable with it, but if you're doing something, I, I want what you want. I don't want anything other than what you're doing. I, I don't want to control this. And it was like, as soon as I said that, like, as soon as I began to say, like, come Holy Spirit, it was like, that's all it took. That's all God needed to begin to, to move me uh, into a, to, to places that were um, scary, that felt risky, that felt um, adventurous, as far as experiencing the personal love and presence of God in new ways in my life. And it began to open up things in me that had been shut down for a long time and began to move in my, my life with God out of um, what had become at that point like a pretty like um, um, disciplined, structured, thoughtful, intellectual, um, you know, whatever it was, into something that was uncontrolled and, um, and felt deeply relational and, and intimate and, uh, and began to do that with a number of our people in our leadership community and just started to sense God like inviting us sort of, I can imagine just like deeper out into the waters. Like there's further, like go further out. There's more, like if you go further out, you'll get wetter and wetter and wetter and, you want, and that's a good thing. Um, there's this picture from the, the end of the book of Ezekiel where there's water flowing out of the temple and Ezekiel goes out and he's like up to his ankles and God's like, go further. And he's like, how much further? And he goes up to his knees and like, you can go further. And he goes out and it's like to his waist. And God's like, there's more for you. Like there's more of me for you to experience. And it's not just about you having some sort of like chill bumps, like getting an experience of, of like, ooh, that feels good. But it's actually about the word. It's about being animated so that you become a person who is able to love the way that God loves, that you're able to actually care about the things that God cares about. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I can't possibly care about all the things that I know I should care about. I'm, t- I'm far too busy caring about myself. Uh, but when I sense God moving, when I'm an animated by the Holy Spirit, you know what I find? It's, it's almost effortless to do. It's easy to weep over the things that we should weep over. It's easy to confess the things I need to confess and to let go of the things that I need to let go of and to move towards the people that need to be moved towards. It just, it's, like God, it's, almost like, it's almost like I'm a part of the body of Christ. It's almost like I'm a part of what God's doing in the world because he's animating something in me. And this week I was... Um, I, I had a really, uh, a really bad fight with someone I care a lot about, and uh, she gave me this ring years ago. And, um, the, uh, and it, was, it, was, it, was a bad, it was a bad day after, you know, the ones that like the, the, the hang, um, hang into the next day. And I uh, was sitting in a coffee shop and trying to write a sermon and trying to get back and I just began to listen to worship music. I began to open myself up and began to just sit and receive from God. And do you know what happened? Like, I, you know what happened? I found it effortless to own up to everything and to go home and to apologize with no strings and to not expect anything from her and to repent and to move. To, do, you, do you know why? It's because I wasn't trying to control anything anymore. It's because I was 
being animated by something. There was something from the outside that was coming in and was moving in me deeply. And I don't like. I want to be a person who who says hi to people because I'm genuinely motivated by love and not just because it's the right thing to do. I, I don't want to be controlled by compulsion. I actually want to be filled with the presence of God on the earth so that when I walk into a space, I have something to give. And it's not dependent on my ability or capacity to conjure something up in a moment or to be winsome or to be funny. I actually am filled and full of the life of God. And if God is the animating presence of the universe and his spirit is that empowering presence in your life, then I want that for you. And I want that for me. And I want that for our city. And Jesus says, as the spirit comes to us, not only do we experience the presence of God, the spirit comes and Jesus says, it's like you suddenly are brought into the love relationship between the father and the son when the spirit comes, which is amazing. But also he says, when he comes, you have power that you wouldn't otherwise have and authority that you wouldn't otherwise have. And you're able to do and say things that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do and say, not because it says something about you or it makes you a better person, but because God is looking for nothing less than people, creations, children through whom he can move out into the world and bring the healing and the blessing and the peace and the grace that he desires. And so what's this going to mean for us practically? It's not going to mean a whole lot like tangibly. You're not going to come in next week and be handed a banner. Like that's not going to happen. What it's going to mean for us is that we are going to continue to be a people who give ourselves to prayer, to soaking our church in prayer and asking, come Holy Spirit, who, who we already pray every Tuesday and uh, at seven o'clock in this room. And if you've never been, and that feels weird to you, I would just, I would just in, invite you, encourage you to try to make one Tuesday a month, like, like a New Year's resolution, like 12 times this year, I'm going to come pray at church. If you, if you can work it out, like I come twice a month because I got carpool duty, I'm all over the city. And so it's like, I, I can come twice a month, you know, but like, just come, come if you can just one time and just learn to pray with people that ask God to come and to heal and to move in new ways. And we're going to start praying before our services and just asking the Lord, like, what are you doing? We want to do what you're doing today. Like our, we have a program, we got stuff. We want to do what you're doing today. So what are you doing today? And just asking the Spirit, like, I want you to control, I want you to lead, I want you to be in charge. I want you to animate us, I want you to stretch us. And I know sometimes, right now, I'm saying something that some of you are like, you're doing what I did. You're like, no, like, I'm going, no, I'm afraid, I don't like the way this sounds, I have baggage, and of course, of course you do, and, 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 I'm, and I'm not in any way minimizing that. There's reasons that we feel the way we feel. You know, they're, they're, they don't come out of nowhere. Uh, I just am inviting you as a person on this road with me to just ask for the grace this year to just slowly, like, uncurl your arms and put your hands out and say, come Holy Spirit. Come and be the anime. Like, what would happen if God, I believe God wants to pour himself out on us in this place. He wants to heal old things. He wants to call us out of darkness. He wants to break strongholds. He wants... He wants, um, he wants to do a great thing, not just in the people in this room, but the all, think about all the thousands and thousands of people who are directly connected to the 250 people in this room right now. And what would happen if you were animated by the Holy Spirit? What would happen in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your family, if you were fully animated by the Holy Spirit? So that's the first thing. We're asking for God to grow us and animate us through the Spirit. The second thing, we are asking uh, that you would pursue discipleship with us in community. We've done discipleship primarily um, 
for the last number of years in, in a number of different ways, um, sort of like a food court, like come to a class, uh, here's a workshop, uh, we're teaching on this on Sundays, go to a community group, the community group asks questions about the sermon, it's not necessarily connected to the classes or to the workshop, go on a retreat, which isn't necessarily, con- and so it's just been like this thing where it's like sort of centralized and people just come and, and, and go, and, and honestly, some people have had really, really deep, meaningful, formative experiences with God in that. Um, but one of the things that we've just been desiring is to help us go a little deeper. And believing that actually one of the things that would help us go deeper would, would be like more intentionality and, and a little bit more strategy and structure in how we pursue discipleship with Jesus. Because if you are a, a Christian, what that means is that you are a disciple. You are an apprentice of Jesus in his school of living. You are a student of his in his way of life. That's what it means to be a Christian. I'm learning to think the way he thinks and to love what he loves and to do as he did and does. That's what it means to be a disciple. And how do we actually help each other do that? Because it's easy, I think, to just come to church and you hear something and I'm up here, Jenny's up here, Ashley's up here, and we're like, this really matters. And everyone's like, that really matters. And then you come back seven days later and another person's out there like, this really matters. And you're like, that really matters. And you come back seven days later and the exact same thing happens again. And at the end of the month, at the end of a quarter, at the end of a year, you're like, what matters? Like, well, everything matters. Okay, well, what am I doing? And what we want to do in this year is, is especially a, from the season between uh, Easter, the so Pentecost, to Advent. So about June to December, we're going to have, um, we're going to just try to go really deep in a couple of things. You know, the, the experts tell us it takes two months to, to gain a new habit, or 66 days, exactly. So if, if you were to like, for, can you believe it's that specific? It's, uh, 66 days, but if you were to try a thing for 66 days, that we talked about on Sunday, that we supplemented with podcasts and articles, that your community was learning with one another, that you were doing once a week with a community, that was being something that you were working into your life uh, outside of community. So it's individual, it's corporate, it's also community-based. And we, we're asking um, you to, to try this with us. And, and what this is going to mean is that in some ways we're decentralizing uh, formation. It's not just a thing that's going to happen here. Um, it can happen. You can continue to come and glean, and, and, but, I, but I'm, we're going to more and more ask people to see their communities, their, their communities as being the places where the deep growth is going to happen. Because I think it's kind of, otherwise what most of us try to do is like we try to follow Jesus when it works for us. So it, it ends up being like a gym membership, which if you are like a solo gym membership guy, like it works when it's working. When you're inspired, it's super great. And then there's like the rest of life. And that's a lot of what discipleship feels like to me. Like, because I'm doing it on my own so much. Like, most of us don't, have, don't even know how to be disciples alongside a close friend. Many of us don't know how to be disciples alongside a spouse, even. We live on two totally different tracks, two totally different roads. We don't know how to do it with our kids. We don't know how to do it with peers. And as long as it's working for us and I'm going to the gym enough, I'm pretty good. But you, you were made for community. And let me just say, the fact that you and I need community to do this is not a sign of weakness in us. It's a sign of the way you were programmed. You were made this way because you were made in the image of community. You were made to need community and nothing less. So we're moving discipleship primarily to be something that's going to happen and be reinforced and taught and trained deeply in in our communities. And so finally, let me talk about what those are going to look like in the time that's left. We are adopting a new model for how we do community here at Trinity. Uh, it's not just on the east side. It's at all the places. 
and um, all, all the places, east side, west side, north side. We are asking uh, that you would consider being a person who embraces community as a core component of your life. And here's what I mean by core component. It means that it's something that lives on the calendar and has the same sort of priority on your calendar as your kid's uh, soccer schedule. And it has, or greater, it has the same sort of priority as like work meetings. And you're like, immediately I know like the resistance. How is that possible? I think when Jesus looked at people and said, I want you to follow me, he was not saying, I want you to come and find ways in which I might fit into your thing that's already going on. And, and yet I know that that's exactly what I've done. I'm, I'm a consumerism, consumerist. Yeah. I, 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 and I, the consumerist Jesus is like very, it's like we all like the consumerist Jesus. Come and find a person who will fit into your life in the ways that it works. And in the ways that it doesn't, it's not important because this is about you and about you finding what you're looking for in this person who just is willing to just sort of like enter in wherever you want and, and like stay out of everything else. And like I say that as a person who's like, enti- like that, is, that is how I've approached Jesus for, for, for so much of my life. Jesus invites me into a different way of life. He invites us into a different kind of kingdom, which has different priorities and different principles, which has a different sort of thing that motivates it, that is going to ultimately look different. It's going to look different. That's what the word holy means. Different from the priorities and the principles that everyone else around you is living by, which means your life's not going to make sense in a way that maybe it makes sense right now to people who aren't also trying to follow this Jesus person. But I'm asking for you to to try to make a decision with me this year to put a centrality around this idea of, like, I'm going to share life with people in meaningful, life-giving ways that are forming me, that are sacrificial, so what this is going to look like primarily is removing from what's been like a community group model to a neighborhood group model. And what community groups were is they were, they were just open groups that kind of were all over the city. But what ended up happening is that people naturally ended up driving, sometimes great distances, in order to be with people who were like them. And, and do you know why? It's because we like people who are like us. It's very easy to be friends with people with whom we have affinity. In fact, I think it's impossible to be friends with someone with whom you hold no affinity. Like, if you have nothing in common, if there's no common ground, friendship is virtually impossible. But friendship is not what community is about. Friendship and community are not the same things. And, and, I, and I would never, ever say, like, you and I shouldn't have friends. No, we should have friends. We should have people that can finish your sentences for you and, like, understand what's going on and, like, think the same way and have similar passions. But what ended up happening is our communities ended up being um, things that certain people found their way into. And if you're one of those people, I'm really glad. A lot of people never found their way into one. But if you are one, like, I, I love, like, we're not trying to break up things that are working. Um, but we just ended up naturally, like, sort of having, like, People in their 30s who, who uh, don't have kids, and people in their 30s who do um, have two kids. You know, and people who are empty nesters would come together, or people who are all like young professionals would, would gather together. And there's nothing, again, nothing wrong with that. But what we're looking to do and what we're asking you to consider is to find people that live in proximity to you, who you have the chance to have neighboring relationships with, and who are going to be therefore different from you. And the reason they'll be different from you is because what's holding us together is not affinity, but proximity. And we actually think that as communities work through the struggle of, of diversity around age, young and old, and politics, you know, Democrats and Republicans, and students and professionals, and creatives and non-creatives, and kids, no kids, and um, 
single married, as, as people do that, that, that's actually going to shape and grow something that's going to look more like the family that Jesus had in mind when he talked about his community. Uh, I'll say, like, as a person who's, I'm in my 30s, I have kids, it's, it's, I need, if you are, if you're not that demographic, I deeply need your voice in my life. I, I need it. I, I have so many blind spots. If you are younger than me, I need your voice in my life. If you're older than me, if you don't have kids, um, if, you, if you are an interracial family, I, I, I need your voice in my life. I'm, I'm dying for people to speak into my life who don't just have the same sort of experiences, current experiences, uh, as me, to shape and to grow me. And I would just say, like, I'm pretty sure that that's a universal thing, that we actually need each other, and that when we have communities growing, like the idea is that we will actually put ourselves in circles with people that may not be necessarily like us. It may be kind of hard. It may require some perseverance. It's not going to be magic. You're not going to show up at a house one day, like with all the people that live in Eastlake, and just love each other and go deep and share your deepest dreams and fears and hold each other and then leave. That's not going to happen. Like that, 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 that that's not going to happen overnight. But. But I think God can grow something, actually, that's very healing and life-giving and good, and that ends up being that, you know, what Dr. Paul said, that loudest sermon that we give of what God is doing in the world that he's uniting. I was reading this week, as Paul wrote in Galatians, that in Christ there is neither male nor female, slave, free, um, Jew, Greek, that we all are one. And the way that we find that oneness is when we choose to put ourselves alongside and sit in circles and face each other. And we recognize suddenly that the thing that we actually have in common is that we're all struggling. The thing that actually holds us together is that we all share similar burdens and we all need Jesus in similar ways. But we all have very different ways of getting to him. So here's what I'm asking you to do. We're going to talk about community for the next three weeks. So there's a lot of questions that this raises. I understand. And we're going to answer those. I mean, hopefully all of them. Um, but what I'm asking you to do, besides come to church for the next couple of weeks, is we'll talk about this or listen to the sermons, um, is for you to begin to, to pray about, about opening up yourself to this kind of community, which will be a place of formation, which will be a place I hope and pray in which the Spirit is animating people with one another. It's going to be new. It's going to be, we're going to have, we're going to, have to do this together. Increasingly, I think that, that anything outside of this is not going to work, that, that we are, we're just getting too big. In fact, probably a number of people thought, oh, we're having Vision Sunday. This is when Matthew rolls out the building campaign. Newsflash, there is no building campaign. <laughs> we don't have a building. We've looked everywhere. We've knocked on every door. I've been doing it for two years now. There is no building. And we please Jesus, you know. Um, the, the Bible ends with a, with a city coming out of the sky. So maybe just a building could come out of the sky and land somewhere, and then that would be good. But, I mean, we, there is no space for us. I'm not going to ask you to invest extra of your dollars this year. I'm asking you to invest something even more precious, your time. And for you to consider, actually, what is your most precious commodity, which is your calendar. And what would it mean for you to give of that, the tie of your calendar, to choose to move into something that's scary, but that we believe, I believe, I'm confident, is a place where God wants to grow us together and heal us and to make us into one. So that, as Jesus says, the world would know that you are the type of God who sends his son. So why don't we stand up together? Thank you so much for listening to today's sermon. I'm Matthew Brown, the parish pastor here at Trinity Indicator. At Trinity, our mission is to be a people who are growing into Christ-likeness. And you can learn more about Trinity 
and get plugged into the life of the church by visiting our website, atltrinity.org. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Have a great week.